The Dallas Mavericks continue their series with the LA Clippers. I'm joined by Law Murray from the Athletic Clippers beat writer, and we're going to get into it, all of it. Talk about why the Dallas Mavericks will win this series. We'll get into that and a lot more coming up. I'm Luka Doncic, and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. Hey, hey, Dallas Mavericks are NBA champions. Guess what day it is? And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member and coordinator for the Lockdown Podcast Network. And joining me for the first time, not the first time on a Mavs podcast, though, apparently, but first time on the Locked On Mavs podcast, Law Murray from The Athletic. Law, what you got for me? Hey, it's good to be here. Uh, it's good to get into the last week of May, so let's get it. We are feeling the Mavs Clipper series. It has been interesting through game one. Game two coming up soon here. We will get into that, get into a whole bunch of stuff today. Thoughts from practice, thoughts from uh, both sides of it. We'll talk about some of the injuries on the Clipper side and the Mavs side. And we're going to get into defending Luka Doncic. It's been the conversation that's been happening. Uh, Law wrote a good piece to, on The Athletic. You can go read. We'll get into that stuff and hear from a Clippers beat writer that's been there with the team, has covered this team uh, for a couple years there, and so we'll get into all that. But before we do, today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Tell them that Locked On sent you. All right, before we get into some of that, uh, notable today, sixth man of the year, went to Jordan Clarkson. Uh, Fourth place, Jalen Brunson. He got 14 points. In second place, uh, there are three points each. So I don't know how he got 14 points because that's not divisible by three. I don't know if you can do that math real quick, but that didn't make any sense to me. Uh, everyone else got a divisible by three number. Uh, he got 25 third place points and 67 total. He came in third. Tim Hardaway Jr. came in, or he came in fourth. Tim Hardaway Jr. came in fifth, which was uh, pretty cool to see two Mavericks back to back. Former Clipper Montrez Harrell came in sixth there. Joe Ingles, Derrick Rose, second and third for sixth man of the year. So congrats to Jordan Clarkson. Law, would that have been your pick for sixth man of the year? You mean going into the season or once we knew now, the finals? Now that we, now that we know everything. Uh, yeah, it, it, it would have been. I mean, Joe Ingles had a great argument, and you could you you probably would say that the Jazz, uh, they relied more on what Joe's abilities were as far as his all-around game, both ends of the floor than what uh, Jordan Clarkson provides as far as a singular score and a shooter and a, and, and a guy who hunts shots. But Jordan Clarkson deserves it. Uh, I, I mean, I remember when he was playing in the finals three years ago with the Cavaliers and he was barely playable, I know. Uh, playing for Ty Lue, as a matter of fact. And he got he got so much better in, in so many aspects of his game. So, you know, I love praising guys for putting the work in and getting results out. And you can see just how they presented Jordan, the award with Joe right next to him, his fellow candidate who actually finished right behind him in the voting. I don't <laughs> think that's ever happened before. It's wild. Um, yeah, the Jazz had a seventh man of the year, man. That's, <laughs> know, you know, right? I, I cover the Clippers, man. So I'm used to having that phenomenon. Yeah, that's right. similar to what happened last year. You had two finalists, one, one, and one, and, and the guy who was the other finalist presented to him. So uh, I, you know, I, I appreciate that moment and congrats to Jordan Clarkson. And hopefully he can continue to. Uh, get better. 
the two Mavs guys also. So there's two Jazz and two Mavs in the first five, which I thought was really interesting. That a pair, two pairs of teammates also came in the top five. Uh, Montrez Harrell six. We can start with him, I guess. Do you think the Clippers miss Montrez Harrell, or do you think that the replacement from Ibaka to Harrell, like everyone's been saying, has been enough of a positive that you know, especially defensively, that they haven't missed him pretty much at all? I think that they they miss him, and 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 at the same time they don't miss him. Uh, it's it's hard to you know I don't want to I don't want to talk out of both sides of my mouth on this one, but <laughs> they they knew what they were losing and knew that you know Montrez was a celebrated player. He's a similar guy. He came to the Clippers and wasn't a guarantee lock to make the, his initial roster when he got here in the Chris Paul trade. You know he worked himself into the player that was in a position to not just win six man a year, but also to have the kind of excitement, the contract, the demand that it takes to uh, sign with the defending champions in free agency and to be thought of as a difference maker. At the same time, the Clippers clearly knew that they wanted to replace him with Serge. And really, they were replacing him with Evita Zubats. If we're, if we're really thinking about what the plan was going into this season, Serge was brought in to start. And Evita was the one who had to kind of adjust to a bench role. but. Then it gets back to Serge was hurt. And that's where you miss a guy like Montrez because Montrez was durable. He was incredibly durable in his time with the Clippers. And you knew what you were getting out of him. You were going to get second chance scoring opportunities. You were going to get free throws. And you were going to get points in the paint. The Clippers have not exactly been stellar in two of those three categories, namely points in the paint and getting to the free throw line outside of the star players. So, yeah, they miss Montrez in that regard, but they don't miss the uh, the defensive challenges that came with having a guy like Carroll on the floor. And Ibaka's back healthy, and now he's coming off the bench in the role that he wasn't intended to have when the season started, but certainly a role that Ibaka's used to because when he won the championship with the Toronto Raptors with Kawhi Leonard, what was he doing? He was coming off the bench. It was a midseason adjustment because Marcus All was traded to that Raptors team midseason. So, in that regard, yeah, they miss him, but the plan was not to miss him, if that makes sense. But not really, right? They miss him, but not, <laughs> but not really. Yeah, they miss him, but not really. You know, it's like, you know, they, they, they knew what they were giving up, and they put themselves in a position to still be better for Montrez's departure. Since we're on the topic of six men, we'll continue on this. The Clippers went from, like you said, a sixth and seventh man to all of a sudden, like, who who is that guy now for the Clippers? It seems like since there's been so many injuries, not really anybody has filled that role. It's been different guys, right? Sometimes Patrick Beverly, sometimes Nick Batum, sometimes Reggie Jackson. Like, who seems to have filled that? It should be Luke Kennard, right? But he's just kind of persona non grata, like, with, with this team now at this point. I mean, everyone keeps bringing up Luke Kennard and, you know, because of the contract, right? It is because of the contract. The funny thing is the extension kicks in next season and perhaps next season, Luke is going to have to be relied on to do more. But as far as this year's team, Luke had his spot in the rotation and it's not that Luke played poorly. Not at all. Like a lot of these players have played well. They've all had moments and I don't mean flashes in games. I mean, they are all these guys on the Clippers. You could say probably the top 12 guys have had a game where you could say, oh, the Clippers won a game, made perhaps multiple games because of that player. Mm. Like for me, Luke Kennard and that comeback against the Atlanta Hawks, yeah. ironically, 
the last game that Rajon Rondo played for the Atlanta Hawks uh, <laughs> before getting traded to the Clippers. They won that game because Luke Kennard led that comeback. Luke Kennard closed out the Milwaukee Bucks a week later when that game was close and the Clippers were in the bonus and Luke Kennard just decided, I'm going to make every three in this fourth <laughs> quarter. So Luke Kennard being the 12th man is not a discredit to him. It's more of a credit to how well guys like Reggie Jackson and Terrence Mann have played. And Rajon Rondo is a lock in the second unit. That's just what it is. Yeah. The Clippers don't have that, oh, they're off the bench and they're going to score 20 points in any given game kind of player. I mean, Reggie Jackson has, is the closest guy to that. And Reggie Jackson is not – he just doesn't have the lock on a, on a rotation spot the way that a Lou Williams would have last year. So, yeah, the bench is the biggest change in how the Clippers are operating. But this isn't a Doc Rivers team either. We're talking about a Ty Lue team. So you're not going to get all bench units out there like you would with Doc's teams. Instead, you're going to get Ty, who's a lot more flexible in his adjustments and is putting a lot more on staggering and empowering Kawhi Leonard and Paul George with those seven units. Coming up, I want to get into that a little bit more, the difference between a Doc Rivers team and a Ty Lue team, and then we'll get into defending Luka. Lots of other stuff to get into, but before we do, let me tell you about uh, Lucy. Lucy, it's 2021. Get rid of cigarettes, unplug your vape, throw out your dip, and get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's simple, and you don't have to leave your house because Lucy delivers directly. They got delivery down. They've created Nicorette gum with four milligrams of nicotine that come in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. Also comes in lozenges, four milligrams of nicotine in that as well. Cherry ice, citrus, and mint. Watched a bunch of uh, YouTube reviews on these and said that they are some of the best nicotine gum that they have ever had. Lucy lozenges and gum are also FSA and HSA eligible, so you can spend pre-tax dollars on them. NBA.com, or Lockdown NBA listeners go to lucy.com. And then use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA to get 20% off all products on your first order, including gum or lozenges. 20% off all products in your first order, lucy.co, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA at checkout. Also, I have to tell you this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an additive chemical. Lucy.co, be sure to use that promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Also want to tell you about rockauto.com. It's the place to go... Get some car and auto parts for your car or truck. They have everything you're going to need. They have uh, engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets specifically made for your car. They have them right there for you. Their catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. And best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you want to spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on. And there, how did you hear about us, Box? They know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, Law, let's get into some more about this Mavs Clippers series and the Clippers team in general that you cover. What's the difference between a Ty Lue team and a Doc Rivers team? You got into a little bit about, you know, the rotations, which I think a lot of Clippers fans are happy about. I don't think we're going to see a Montrez Harrell type where he plays 18 straight minutes down the stretch of games like he did last year. We're not seeing these all bench units. But what's the difference between um, a Doc Rivers team and a Ty Lue team that you've seen? Well, when it comes to the approach to the regular season, I think Doc is a, is a really good regular season coach. Uh, those teams perform really well uh, over the course of the station, the station flow of 
how you approach the regular season. And I mean, when you look at last year, Doc had a top five offense and a top five defense. I think people expected it to be a top five defense because of the talent that they brought in and because of how that team played the year before. But I mean, that was a great offense as well. That being said, the way the offense was approached was a little bit, let's just, let's just say things got rigid. Whereas this year, the offense has been a lot more free flowing. It hasn't, it hasn't been as much force, but the ball movement and the emphasis on the three pointer, I think that's been a market market change. And that is Ty's way of both getting other players involved, but also putting it on the star players that, hey, you guys, you're, this is your offense and you're going to have a role, a significant role in how it goes. And I think the results are a wash uh, because hmm. on one hand, it's great to have great three-point shooting and, and, and that kind of thing. Last year's Clippers team was a great three-point shooting team too. And on top of it, they had the points in paint. They had the extra, they, they just had more guys who could do more, you know? So that's one part of it. I think a full season of Marcus Morris kind of smooths things over as far as the not having four 20-point scores, that dynamic. And then there's the defense. Keep in mind, this isn't just Ty Lue taking over for Doc Rivers. This is Ty Lue's staff. You know, Ty Lue hired guys to support him as he took over the coaching role with the Clippers. So that means Kenny Atkinson, who did a great job building guys up with the Brooklyn Nets. And if we're keeping it a bean, should probably still be there. But the dynamics behind what made the Nets click change once they got Kyrie, once they got Kevin Durant. So it, it is what it is. And just like the Cleveland Cavaliers probably shouldn't have let Ty Lue go, <laughs> uh, it's the Clippers gain and, and the Nets loss as far as Kenny Atkinson goes. And then you got Dan Craig, who was celebrated for what he did with the Miami Heat defense last year in the bubble. That team won an Eastern Conference championship as a five seed. And look at him now. He's the four seed. He's basically Ty Lue's de facto defensive coordinator. They they put a lot of stuff under the vest. That defense was up and down this year, but it trended in the right direction after the All-Star break, especially when you consider so many missing parts. Yeah. And now the question is, this is Ty Lue's time of the year. People underestimated Ty Lue for years and years, only to see that team win the Eastern Conference every year. He was the head coach with LeBron James and even come back from a 3-1 deficit against a team that had the best regular season in NBA history to win an NBA championship just five years ago. So it didn't show up in game one, and perhaps the rest of this week is going to tell just how much of a difference things will be under Ty compared to Doc. You mentioned you know not having all the players all the time, and we've said that a couple times now. What do you think about the continuity this season with the Clippers compared to last season? I guess that's the only one we can compare it to because <laughs> you know this set of players. But the continuity comparatively to you know last season to this season, and has it grown? Has it gotten better? That's kind of the, that was kind of the big question after they got knocked out last playoffs. Yeah, I would say on the floor it hasn't necessarily gotten better because guys have been in and out of the lineup so much and. They were really aggressive about, I mean, I, I actually asked Ty last week about the aggressive rest as far as their approach to the end of the regular s- season this year. But it's clear that they didn't, they, they wanted to make sure that guys were going to be fresh for this time of the year. So in terms of effort, physical effort and, and executing physically, 
that shouldn't be an excuse. Now, all the off-court stuff, the locker room stuff, this team is way better. And it's not just for the salacious reasons that one would say it's better. I mean, uh, I mean, chemistry is incredibly subjective. I guess it can change in a, in, in a matter of days or weeks. We all know how the postseason can go. A series can last no longer than two weeks. And obviously, a lot of things happen. You're either ending another team season or your season is being ended. So I don't want to overstate the whole chemistry thing. Like that's really not my, that's not really not my deal. And it really shouldn't be something that fans get super caught up in. Like the, at the end of the day, this is all about relationships. And a lot of these guys, they're better because they're, they, they know each other a little bit more because they went through what happened last year because they had the accountability of what happened. This team started incredibly well this year and throughout all the things that happened throughout a major change that was disruptive in terms of trading Lou Williams, a guy who really wanted to play for the Clippers, for John Rondo, a guy who has a ton of people's respect in the organization, players and front office and the coaching staff. Like the team has done a great job of emphasizing connectiveness and just getting through things together as a team. I, I really believe that that stuff matters, but at the same time, we'll see what happens this week. It's, Going to, they're, they're facing a 1-0 deficit, losing home court advantage. They're going to need to tap into all the things that they developed over the course of this year, the stronger bonds to get through what they have in front of them as far as this first-round series. Fascinating. Uh, let, get, maybe this is just for me and maybe just some diehard Mavs fans, but what is the status of some of these guys injury-wise? We talked a lot about how these guys have been aggressively rested. You know, At the end of the season – when it looked like the Clippers were ducking some teams and they were resting guys down the stretch, some of those were like the Clippers did that all year, resting guys second night of back to back and things like that. I, I'm yes. not going to go as far as say that was the only reason. I still believe that there was some extra things involved there for the Clippers. But Kawhi Leonard, he's had this foot thing. He now has this wrist thing. Seems like I mean he's playing. It seems like he's he's back to normal. But what would you say his status is? You could give it a one to five if you want. Uh, it's a like it's a four. Look, this is the oldest team in the league, and the guys who needed time off, they needed some. Uh, and so Kawhi is fine. Uh, I even said like the way they approach the regular season, it's to get to this point. So we're not going to do we're, we're not going to use injuries, um, not not anything that they came into this series with as a reason why guys underperform. Like guys are. Physically, guys are fine. There's nobody listed on the injury report. You can't say that for Dallas, right? J.J. Redick might not play in this series at yeah, all. A- Maxi Kleba is dealing with an Achilles issue, and Maxi is a pretty critical part to this series. Um, and so, yeah, Paul George has had to manage a toe issue, um, right. something that he missed multiple weeks with in February. But he figured out what he needed to do to be effective with that injury, and then he actually played his best basketball of the season while he was dealing with a heavy workload because Kawhi needed the time to rest his foot issue. When you talk about Patrick Beverly, I mean, he missed multiple weeks, three separate times, uh, twice because of the knee that he had surgically repaired in his first season with Clippers. And then in his second game returning from the second one of those absences, he fractures a hand, you know, so he got back on the floor this month and he should be in rhythm now, but obviously you missed three separate stints uh, for injuries like that, it it obviously gives you some cause for concern. That's one of the reasons Rondo is here. Rondo is not here because they needed to unload Lou Williams. Right. I think the Clippers would have loved to have had both of those dudes. But 
That's not what happened. So you you know you gotta you gotta give something good up to get something good. Rondo is Beverly insurance more than anything else, mm. you know. And Rondo is obviously in his fifteenth year. He can't play a thirty minute. I mean, maybe he can, but we hadn't seen him play thirty minutes in a game, right? Then you got Reggie Jackson. Last year he wasn't healthy. Um, this year he's healthier. So that's that's a that's a good thing. Obviously, Serge missed two entire months because of a serious back injury, one that was relatively downplayed until you look and it's like, dude, this dude, he's not traveling. Uh, like, what's happening here? Yeah, he had a pinched nerve in his back, but he's as good as he's going to be right now, and he's effective right now, and that's what you got to – that's really all you can go with. So when it comes to injuries, it's like if you're available, if you're playing at this time of the year, like, you just got to play, and – that's that's all there is to it. Yeah, yeah. I was curious if any of those caused you any concern. It doesn't seem like any single one of those really stands out as one. Nah, we're, yeah, like I said, we're 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 not doing the Walsh King narrative over here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, if if guys win, they won. If they got if they lost, they lost. It's, you know, you can keep it on the floor, and and no one's 100 percent at this time of the year. But at the same time, no one's trying to look at that as a reason why anyone falls short so or and we're and I'm def, we're definitely not going to put it prop it up as a reason why you know someone overperformed you're not going to be like oh my god he was seeing three baskets <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> not doing that oh my co-host would love you i think i think my co-host <laughs> isaac would, would absolutely love this all right coming up we'll get into how the clippers are defending luca and then law picked a team to win the series and it may not be the team that you expect we'll talk about that coming up but before we do let me tell you a little bit about betonline.ag it's the place to put down some money on sports you can bet on all these games all the playoff action you can put down money on it and uh they have not just basketball they have baseball games all the time they have uh, all kinds of stuff. Like you can just put down money. There's so the golf those over this weekend, playoff specials, game props, player futures. You can do awards right now. Who's going to win Finals MVP is the one that's up right now. Kevin Durant plus three seventy five. LeBron James plus six hundred. James Harden plus seven fifty. Uh, Joel Embiid plus a thousand. Kawhi Leonard plus twelve hundred. That those are interesting odds right there. Kawhi Leonard if he gets out of this series. Uh, Giannis plus twelve hundred. Kyrie plus sixteen hundred. Go all the way down. Chris Paul plus 2,500. That one's really interesting. Luca plus 3,300. An interesting number there. If you want to put down some money on betonline.ag, use the promo code LOCKEDON. Get a 50% welcome bonus to your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Law. So uh, you mentioned Maxi Kleba at practice. Carlisle said that Kleba will be listed as questionable for game two. Quote, he's been a little sore the last couple of days with that Achilles. He went through some of the practice today. He did not go through the whole thing. We are concerned about, about uh, unquote, we, we are concerned about Maxi Kleba. He is super important, like you said, defending Kawhi Leonard. So we'll see what happens with Maxi. Um, because, yeah, he, he's super important to this Mavericks defense. And then their rotation. Like, if he's out, all of a sudden that's more minutes for Dwight Powell, Willie Colley-Stein, and I don't think that's going to help the Mavericks very much this season, especially if you're replacing Maxi's minutes with those guys. Um. Okay, I want to get into, so you wrote a piece today. Clippers have options to defend Mavericks Luka Doncic, but need to eliminate the bad ones. This has been a topic everyone's been talking about. How do the Clippers defend Luka? It seems like this is a team that's equipped more than maybe any team in the NBA to defend a guy like Luka. And it doesn't seem like, you know, not, not that they're doing a good job. They're not, they're not doing, like, it just doesn't seem to phase Luka. 
so what are your thoughts on, on that? And then you, you want to go through a couple of these. You laid it out really well in the article with video and all that. Some of the bad the bad ways that they're trying to defend Luca. Yeah, it's it, it, it's very simple for me. Um, and with the caveat that I am at six feet with a great wingspan, but <laughs> clearly not on the floor. I'm not guarding Luca. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and so whatever I say, man, like NBA defenses, there's something that I've learned. It's not about the one. It's about the five, right? Yeah. It's about, and, and I don't mean by position. I mean, one player versus five players as a team. Like, especially you now. want results. You, it, this isn't, you know, you're, you're not playing one-on-one with these guys. And, and this is complex stuff when we're talking about NBA defense. You know, you, you're not going to say, hey, you guard him. And the yeah. way NBA offenses operate, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about transition. You're talking about help. You're talking about uh, what happens when you have to rotate. The, what, what are you doing in the pick and roll? It's about everybody being on the same page and getting a common result. What are your common results? Defense, you're trying to get stops. You're trying to force turnovers. You're trying to not foul some guys to the line. You're trying to end possessions the first time with rebounds instead of giving up second-chance scoring opportunities. When it comes to Luka Doncic, he's going to get numbers because he has the ball in his hands all the time. It's not like Luka's parked in a corner and other guys are going to create for him. That doesn't even happen when Jalen Brunson's on the floor. And this Dan Jalen Brunson has got hardware from college to show what his chops are as a playmaker is. You know, you just discussed now that, like, man was in very close to being a finalist for sixth man of the year. That's how good he is and how impactful he is. No, Luka is transcendent. And the way you have to approach guarding or slowing down Luka Doncic is if he's going to have the ball in his hands at any times, you need to create mistakes. You need him to be passing into traffic. You need him to not be finding shooters. You can't give him the easiest of looks. You can't have him see the double team coming. You can't put him on guys who have a low opportunity of success. So that's what we're going to have to see what changes, not just in game two, but over the course of the entire series. Last year, Luca put up crazy numbers, numbers and moments that were so voluminous and, and spectacular that fools are actually going on national TV thinking that the Mavericks won the series last year. That didn't happen, but <laughs> no, <it> did people's <laughs> perception of the Clippers and Luca and the Mavericks is so colored by the BS narratives that it's like, oh yeah, the Mavericks won the series. Like you forget that didn't happen. Luca had great games last year. Luca also had crazy levels of turnovers. His first game in the playoffs was an 11 turnover debut. <laughs> Those are the kinds of things that that's the switch factor. That's the swing factor. Will the Clippers force enough mistakes and force enough missed shots and force enough stops in order to take advantage of all the volume that Luca has? Can you wear him down? Man played 40 minutes in game one. You know, it's not like Luca's coming out here like Adonis, you know what I'm saying? Like, that ain't the Eastern European that Luca is. Like, what are you doing to slow him down and make sure that his heavy workload takes a toll when it comes time to secure a win? That's what we're going to look to see what changes this week. Did you call him Adonis, like Drake's kid? Is that what you just called him? Hey, man, like, you can... <laughs> you, 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 what I what I what I mean is Luca ain't the most conditioned gentleman in in, in the NBA. You know what I'm saying? That's oh, and, all, that's, and that's the other part of what makes Luca so great. 
Luka, Luka is not this physical, you know, specimen. Luca didn't get drafted, you know, Luca didn't get passed up by the Kings <laughs> <laughs> because of his, uh, maybe he did get passed because of the physical stuff. But the point being, like, Luca's a great basketball player, not because of his height, weight, speed factor. It's because he gets to your angles, because he's bigger than you, because he knows, he just knows the game. You know, he he has experience and wisdom beyond his years. He is, he, that's why he's going to be a, a great player for an infinite amount of years in this league. The Clippers know that you stop in Luka, but you also need to stop the Mavericks and, and stopping and, and, and stopping the impact Luka has means you can't have those assist totals rack up yep. and the points and the threes and then not force enough mistakes. Yeah. There, you got to take away something, right? <laughs> it has to be one of those things. Uh, Ty Lue after, I think it was on Monday's or no Sunday's practice said that someone asked him why Kawhi doesn't get, the Luca assignment more often. And he said, I think you're going to get what you're asking for come Tuesday. Now I used to use NBA.com's like matchup data all the time to try and make points. And recently I just threw it out the window. I'm like, this stuff doesn't matter anymore because one guy doesn't defend another guy. Like you said, one-on-one almost never, right? Like it barely ever happens anymore. There's so much switching, so many pick and rolls. Kawhi being assigned to Luca, like let's not pretend that didn't happen in game one, right? Like he guarded Luca at some times. The Mavs just screened him off of him a whole bunch of times. What did you take by, by Ty Lue's comment? Was he just playing around with media? Does he do that? Does he play games like that where he just kind of jokes with people and then, you know, does whatever he's going to do? Cause Carlisle sometimes will do that. I mean, Ty, Ty played, like I said, Ty played with LeBron. Ty, Ty is used to being in high pressure situations as far as how to deal with the media. You know, he's got multiple championship rings playing for the Lakers in this market of Los Angeles. You know, he played with Michael Jordan. You know, like Ty knows That's what true. he's doing. Yeah. Dang. He he played with the Washington Wizards. That's quite the career, right? Like that's the span of the yeah. career. Oh, the Wizards. Okay, Look, that makes sense. To, to I was like, to, I was like Bulls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nah, nah. But like he played with Phil, so you know, you know what I'm saying. Like Ty knows the game, yeah. the the media game, the this is what I got to do game. He was a point guard. He was a backup. He was a starter. Like Ty is a fascinating person when you when it really comes down to it. Like it's crazy that people would slander Ty whose name while he was, you know, quote unquote LeBron's coach because <laughs> Ty has seen some shit. And yeah. you know, when when it, when it when it comes down to it, yeah, this media thing is you can ask questions, and the trick for people asking questions is know what you're talking about but also know that you don't know what you're talking about <laughs> for as much as you think, you know, something you will never know. <laughs> so like the, the trick is just pay, see what happens based off of what he says and go from there. So I don't take, you know, what he says, it's not like, it doesn't mean any, nothing at all, but it, but you have to see how it plays out and you see what the differentials are. And that's what a playoff series is. You know, game one, it's like, Game one. Okay, you're good. But what makes a playoff series? The adjustments, the differentials, what was sustainable, the people who did great in the regular season and then they get napalmed in the playoffs. Like <laughs> those are those are the things that you kind of have to take away. So it's like whatever Ty said to us, you know, oh, you're gonna get Kawhi on Luca. It's like, all right, he said it, and we're gonna see actually how that plays out. 
All right. You told me before you said this on a different, you said this on uh, the athletic podcast, I think with Tim Cato, you picked the Mavericks to win the series before, even before game one. Why? Because of the matchup. Uh, that's really what it came down to. I think this Clippers team has a ceiling of a championship contender, a team that could possibly win the championship depending on who comes out of the East. But I also said way back before I even took the job with the athletic that I could see the Clippers being in a first round matchup that is not favorable to them and them not coming out of it. And I didn't anticipate that it would be the Mavericks, but over the course of the season, I just felt like those games were both highly competitive. Well, not the December one, but yeah, the mini series right. <laughs> in March, especially. Right. Um, I just felt like, yeah, that's not that those were playoff type games. And I feel like the Mavericks could make things very challenging on the Clippers. I, that's just how I felt. And I did, I, I just couldn't get to a place where I could be like, you know, I'm already not, uh, I'm not a homer in any way. You know, I'm also not a troll, you know, a lot of people who cover the Clippers, they tend to be one or the other. And I really strive for that middle ground of I want to trust what I see as far as basketball I'm a fan of the game and I'm also a student in the game and I try and pay attention to what I see so it's just me observing what I see and saying look the Clippers are really good if they play the way that they're capable of playing yeah they they could win the series they could win the championship they could beat any team but I also felt like this Mavericks team slows down the pace Lucas is a is, is a problem and these and and the way that the Mavericks shoot or support Luka with shooters, it could present some problems, especially if the Clippers aren't getting shots to fall themselves. And the Mavericks, unlike last year, they've got healthier bodies that could impact this series. And the trade for Curry or trading Curry for Richardson, I mean, look, I'm from Philadelphia. I got a group text with the homies who were very upset with Josh Richardson last year. <laughs> but I also knew that Josh Richardson has the kind of game that can fit in in this particular series. Mm -hmm. And now he's coming off the bench. It's like Serge Ibaka with the Clippers. It's like you didn't bring him in here to be a backup and look at him now. Yep. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's just where I've been at. And, again, my job is not to be an optimist or to say things that people want to hear. Um, just like it's my job to point out when media members don't know what the hell they're talking about. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to do that all the time. I would prefer people just read me instead of reacting to people being wrong on, on, on TV, full letter networks and whatnot, but you know, uh, to each their own. And so all I'm going to say is like, yeah, I said what I said and game one, like I've already, I already had my concerns about how game one might go for the Clippers and you saw what happened. So we'll see how the rest of the series plays out. But I've got no reason to change what I said last week. Four-letter networks like HGTV, right? Like you're looking at property, like calling you know, out the property brothers. I mean, hey, look, I'm <laughs> sure every I'm, I'm sure every local affiliate got some call letters, you know. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> there you go. Lawmer, you can go read him on The Athletic. You can uh, follow him on Twitter. I'll put a link in the description of this podcast. Anything else you want to plug? Uh, yeah, man. Sure. Small shout out to Tim Cato and Mike Colucci. They're in Dallas. They're the homies. So I know a lot of Dallas people might be listening to this. Shout out to yeah. them. Shout out to uh, Tim McMahon, someone I worked with at ESPN for years. Uh, also, uh, OG, uh, much respect to him. I mean, shout out to you. Appreciate you having me on. 
and follow the athletic, you know, uh, and don't let them screenshots fool you. Subscribe, man. I put in, <laughs> I put, I put work into this, man. So help a brother out. I got suspended from Twitter for one day for a athletic screenshot one time. Because <laughs> it was behind the paywall. Uh, Tim Cato, friend of the pod. Tim McMahon, associate of the pod, not friend of the pod yet because ESPN's rules. But yeah, we're, we're yeah, friendly with those guys. We're, we're, we're friendly with those guys for sure. Law Murray, thank you so much for joining. Guys, we will be back with a breakdown. Isaac will finally be back and we'll break down game two. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked On Mavs. You finally won your first match. How's it feel? Well, Sarah, I believe you can outscore your opponent and still lose, just like you can score less than them and win. But last week, we definitely won, which is pretty darn fun. <laughs>